So this year we're saying that we're raising a glass to raise awareness of youth hunger. So, you know, kind of having a good time, but all in the spirit of raising money to support our youth. Alrighty, we are going in three, two. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the TF Cast. I'm your host, Willis Stout. Hey, Zach here, and it is May 11th, 2022. And I'm your host, Jacob Bases. Today with us, we have Sherry and Lily with the Backpack Foods program here to tell us a little bit about the Beer, Brats, and Bourbon event. Um, I'm going to kick it right over to you, Sherry. Uh, maybe just give us the quick rundown on what's going on up there. Up, up, it's up yeah, there. Yeah, we're it's in Upper up North. There. Yeah. <laughs> well, first, a little bit about Feeding Our Communities Partners. Um, we are a local nonprofit organization, and our mission is to engage our community in solving youth hunger. And so we're currently um, providing hunger relief services for food insecure youth in grades K through 12 in five local school districts. And so, of course, we need monetary support to make that work happen. And that is where this event comes in. Um, it is actually one of our largest fundraisers and scheduled for Thursday, June 23rd. Awesome. That was uh, very succinct. <laughs> I may or may not have done that before. <laughs> now, um, so let, let's talk about a little bit about the, the type of aid that you bring into the community. And um, mm -hmm. after you tell us about that, like what could someone who wanted to attend the event expect to see when they got there? Ooh, which part of that do you want to take, Lily? I want to take talking about the event. I think that oh. sounds like fun. <laughs> Yeah, so I can talk a little bit more about what our services look like. Um, as you mentioned, people are most familiar with our backpack food program, um, and that does serve elementary students. Um, but we've also extended our services over the last five years to serve middle school students and as of recent high school students as well. And so our primary services are meant to supplement what they would receive during the school day, but during out of school hours. And so most often that's like weekends, long school breaks, including the extended summer break, which is right around the corner. Yeah. How, how are the, the, I, it's like fairly obvious that kids are hungry, but like, how are the, the needs established? And like, um, how, how is like such a, when you're in the building, it's, it's quite large and there's a lot going on. Like how did the organization come together to make these things happen? Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very good question. Um, and it all started quite honestly in a closet well, first on a dining room table, very similar to the one that we're, we're seated in front of here. Um, but our founding director actually started it on her dining room table within her home. Um, and it obviously researched and found other very similar services that are offered across the nation, um, but worked with many community stakeholders to really um, decipher how we were going to meet those needs here locally and what those services would look like. Um, and from there, it's just evolved each and every year. Um, we were allowed space literally in a closet in another building, another business. Um, we um, hosted our pack sessions, um, you know, in the back warehouse space of like fun.com and some tailor buildings in the past. And the warehouse that you have both visited um, is has actually been our home for just over six years. Um, just a double warehouse suite in Upper North Mankato. Um, and as you've seen, we've really retrofitted the space to meet our needs, um, as well as being welcoming for the you know upwards of 100 volunteers that assist us with our work on a weekly basis. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's been an evolution to say the least. I'd say in terms of like really fun data, there was this report that came out in 2008 called mm -hmm. the Missing Meals Report. And that was done across the state of Minnesota looking into where not just kids, but like where are residents of Minnesota missing meals, you know, whether they're doing like 
just two meals a day or one meal a day? Like where are people missing that three day a meal mark? And Blue Earth County was found to be one of those, one of the most meals missed in the state of Minnesota in terms of, you know, like food insecurity. So that also has informed what we do today and noticing that there are meals being missed in this community. And we're going to start by trying to tackle youth hunger um, and then working with other partners who are assisting in the other areas of hunger relief. Mm -hmm. I will say one of the things that's very unique about our programming that we're also very proud of is that there's there aren't a lot of hoops or red tape to jump through to access the services. We want them to be access to any and all who feel that they're food insecure or find difficulty in providing regular nutritious meals for their their children. Um, and so we do have a, a you know kind of a, a three point checklist on our website. Um, but folks, families do not have to provide any financial information to receive services. And so if you identify as food insecure. We're here to serve your children as needed. Yeah. That's really great. Mm-hmm. And uh, to the event, the Beer, Brats, and Bourbon mm-hmm. event, this isn't the first time this has been going on either. So it's the return of a mm-hmm. uh, annual, uh, is, is it, can it be called a fundraising event? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the event has taken like a ton of different forms and it started in, what was it, 2017? Sounds right. Six years ago. Some, sometime <laughs> around there. With the new building. <laughs> um, the yeah, new yes. yeah, yes. exactly. Um, and so when COVID hit, we had to change the way the event happened. Like a lot of other nonprofits and a lot of other just events had to change. And so in 2020, normally it's like a on-site event. And in 2020, we switched to virtual where everything was streamed. Um, Soul Asylum was performing that year, which was fun. And then 2021, we were like, okay, well, we really liked some of those features of a virtual event, um, particularly our block party option where folks can, we'll drop off what we call party packages at your house. And then you get together like your neighborhood, your friends, your business, whoever you want. And you actually host a party in your backyard. So we give you like brats from Schmidt's Meat Market, a bottle of bourbon, a bunch of 12 packs of beer. beer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's like four 12 packs of beer and then like some nice little specialty fun items along with that. But you have everything you kind of need to host a party. That was super popular in 2020. So we were like, well, might as well offer it in 2021. And then we also did an onsite event. So we did like a hybrid format for 2021. And we're going to do that again this year. So the onsite event features food. Um, it's like grilled fair. Yeah, we call it grilled fair, but there are brats <laughs> in among that. Um, and then there's beer tastings that are there. We'll have some um, people on site sampling bourbon. Um, and then there's live music. We try to feature local as much as possible. So the bands this year, the DW3 and Nate Boots and the High Horses. Um, there's a ton of games. I think like everybody's favorite is the bourbon wall, which is just a giant wall of bourbon and you pay like 30 bucks and you pull a poker chip and it has a number that's on the bottom of one of the bottles. So then you win it. Um, very fun. High reward. Everyone gets a prize. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nobody loses there. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a ton of really awesome games. There's fun fundraising throughout the night to try and connect people back to our mission. So this year we're saying that we're raising a glass to raise awareness of youth hunger. So, you know, kind of having a good time, but all in the spirit of raising money to support our youth. Sure. Tell me more about the bourbon. <laughs> um, we can we can get to the beer too. I love beer's okay, but um, <laughs> I think wow. we see where we're split here. Is this even Steven or Willis? Uh, where do you land uh, on this? Oh, I'm both. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm also both. Oh man. Okay. See, we're divided. <laughs> Lily very much prefers beer, and I very much prefer bourbon. So mm-hmm. it's a perfect pair. But. Yep. So you want to start with the bourbon? I, I hear. I do. Is it? Is this? <laughs> I mean, I was. I was. Um, 
where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have many tremendous partners, um, but I will say that when we came up with this concept six years ago, um, since that time, we've been making annual trips to Kentucky to visit distilleries on site, um, just you know, gain an even greater respect for the craft and art of bourbon making. Um, and we've learned so much over the years. I was just sharing with Willis prior to, to kind of go here um, that this is the first year we weren't able to make it. And it's like a piece of my heart is missing, but we'll come back next year. Um, we've just had some tremendous opportunities to form some relationships. Um, as Lily mentioned, when we did our virtual event, um, one of our largest sponsors was Four Roses Bourbon. And they provided just a ton of in-kind craft bourbon, all sorts of fun swag and goodies as well. Um, but the, the partners kind of shift and change each and every year. And we also work with local groups um, like Tattersall Distillery, who is also making bourbon um, along with their other spirits. And they'll actually be on site this year. Um, doing some sampling as well. So it's across the board. Um, we do have, we work with many liquor stores and restaurants and other partners that are able to secure us some like higher level bourbons as well. So folks can expect to see that on the silent auction. And as Lily mentioned, our bourbon wall, um, there may or may not be a chance to win a bottle of Blanton's, which if you like bourbon as much as I do, you know, is one of the finest. <laughs> so I just like the little horsey that's on top of the bottle. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> Do you know the story behind those? No, tell me the story, Sherry. Well, each horse that is on top of a bottle actually has a little letter circled next to it as well. And it spells Blanton's if you collect them all. Um, But it's also, if you line them up, it's a horse out the gate at a track. And so the gate of the horse changes as it spells Blanton's. That's why people collect them. Yeah, it's kind of cool. But anyway. (laughs) That's neat. Yeah, people go... the, the market for allocated bourbon has like really just exploded in the mm-hmm. last few years. Um, well, in a, in a way that surprises me. Even the bourbon section of the liquor right. store is just now three times what it was in even 2013. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool to see. But I, mm-hmm. I guess we can talk about beer now. Yeah. <laughs> um, where's, where, where are we getting the beer from? Um, so we have a couple local partners. So the two big breweries in Mankato, Mankato Brewery and Locale, are both on this year, which is very exciting. Mankato Brewery's been with us since the first year. So, And then Locale is new this year. So this will be pretty fun. Um, then we have Shells partnering with us from New Ulm and Summit from the Twin Cities. Not missing any, right? Nope. Well, no, I'm on it. Bell's Brewing as well. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, are there any uh, beer walls or is <laughs> what are the featured events around that one? So I mentioned before we started, but one of my jobs is actually reaching out to a bunch of local breweries all throughout the state to see if they'll like give small prizes for different games that we have on site. And then my favorite part is I get to go pick them up and then stop at the brewery and try some of their beer. <laughs> um, so we have this game. It's like the Price is Right game, the Pack-A-Punch. Um, and so we have one on site. So you pay, I don't even, is it like 30 bucks? And then you get to like punch into this like tissue paper sort of thing and inside is a prize that you'll pull out. Um, so some of the ones on there are like growlers and gift cards and some like private tasting experiences are on there. We've got some fun charcuterie boards, you know, mm-hmm. uh, lots of different brewery prizes in that one, but they're all surprises, but you will win something. It's not just going to be empty. <laughs> so, <laughs> And then for those who do prefer beer, you do receive a flight sample with your ticket as well. And so um, when you come in the door, you actually have a chance to choose one of two d- different curated flights um, that will have one of each of the four major breweries that are partnering with us featured. So... There's some free drinks involved. 
Um, if someone were interested in going to the event, what can uh, they do to sign up or get a ticket? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Lily. You can head to our website, which is very long. Get ready for it. It's <laughs> feedingourcommunitiespartners.org slash BBB. And then on that website, it'll have like all of our different inform- If you want more information about what comes with each of those ticket options too, that's on the website, but there's also a registration link there. So you can actually buy your tickets today and then we'll know, we'll plan for you coming. <laughs> so June 23rd and it'll be an evening event. Uh, mm-hmm. and I know it's kind of like a, a weather permitting, I suppose, hybrid out. <laughs> oh, we're going to make it happen. We're well, there's no we're canceling outside. here. If 2020 can't <laughs> shut us down, nothing can. Yes, um, yes. but yes, it is an indoor outdoor event. So if you've been to our warehouse space, we actually open up one of our Um, ground level garage doors and we take over a good portion of the back parking lot. We have a a large stage, um, just the whole production, lots of outdoor games. Um, And it's really a laid back fun event. I mean, people look forward to it. It's um, very just social and the camaraderie is, is apparent throughout. So Mm -hmm. it's a good time. Yeah. Um, Touched on a couple of times how the events changed. And Mm -hmm. I guess I wonder too, even just with your organization, how things have, uh, shifted over the last couple of years with the pandemic and stuff like that, how you're mm-hmm. kind of combating some of those challenges? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, we are very proud that we were able to offer our services without interruption during anything that was thrown our way during school shutdowns, government shutdowns, um, just shifting um, changes in the landscape, right? Um, and so we actually learned a lot during 2020 as, as difficult as it was to adapt and make those changes on an almost continual basis. Um, we learned a lot from them that we've carried forward into other efforts. So the easiest example is that when schools were um, no longer in, in, in person learning, I mean, that's the conduit between our services and the student is that our food is on site at the schools. We work with volunteers to get it there and teachers will place it in the backpack or lockers of students. Well, without schools, you know, there is that conduit. Um, we found a way to serve youth directly. And so we began packaging our food packs into boxes and working with many area partners to create PAPS, maps, <laughs> PAPS, <laughs> PAPS, maps um, utilizing GIS systems like through the city of Mankato and a local engineering company. And then volunteers worked with us to, to deliver directly to the doorsteps of youth. Well, perfect model for summer, right? School's not in session then either. And yeah. so um, we've actually found a way to create just greater efficiencies, a better experience for volunteers, um, you know, a better experience for the children that we serve. And it's just been amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say it wouldn't have been possible without like the hundreds, literally hundreds of volunteers who showed up Mm -hmm. to help do all those deliveries. I think I thought they were really fun, but Mm -hmm. that was just me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would be like a volunteer would roll up and they'd take like around like a dozen kids, their boxes and deliver it right to their homes. And we are like, we were a staff of what, like six at the time. And there's no way we could have done that. Just Mm -hmm. it would have taken so long for us to get all those deliveries done. So it sounds like there was a surge in volunteers. What what was, how was that? Uh, how were those people reached to come to you and what was the experience of like dealing with that influx of new people mm-hmm. like it's a great question <laughs> I could take it yeah yeah so I mean <laughs> my job is marketing and communication so part of that was I mean so I started in like the summer of 2020 so I wasn't there initially during like the first shutdowns but 
I mean, I know what happened. Um, so like, I think right March, 2020, we put out like a social media post. It was like, Hey, we need some volunteers. Like the school shut down today and we got to get food out tomorrow. Like it's got to happen. And it just like popped off our, like we had like hundreds of people reaching out, like, how can I help? How can I get food out? What can I do to help you guys? And we've been able to sort of like funnel people into helping us pack up the food for those kids, um, helping deliver the food. They help out at all of our different events and everything. And while like the volunteer levels have not like on our level, we've never had a problem meeting those volunteer needs throughout all of this, which mm -hmm. has been so incredibly important for us. Um, it's been more like, how can we engage more people in coming here and mm -hmm. handle all the people who want to help out? Last school year, I think we had just over 2000 volunteers that assisted with our work. Wow. So to Lily's point, I mean, this community has just rallied, really rallied behind our mission and shown up when we when we put out a call to action, and we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's amazing that you're able to stay flexible in those challenging times because I suppose uh, hunger doesn't go away just because mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, standard industries have shut down. So, mm -hmm. so it's Absolutely. awesome to see flexibility. I think that's one of the caveats of being a locally developed nonprofit, right? Like we're not part of a national brand um, and we have great autonomy to decide how we're going to serve our mission from a day-to-day, -day, on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, that works in our favor often. Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, question actually for both of you, how, how was it that you came to be involved in the line of work, um, you know, getting involved with this nonprofit or if you've been doing this type of thing for a long time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I've been in the nonprofit sector for over 22 years. Um, all of my nonprofit experience has been here in Mankato, but with other organizations. I've been with um, FOCP for going on seven years. Um, and I would say that it's just this community. Um, we have a very strong nonprofit sector here in the greater Mankato area. There's a lot of partnership and a lot of collaboration. Um, and I still hear f from an outside perspective this, this idea of competition and, you know, you must all be fighting for the same funds or the same volunteers and... We just don't find that to be true. Um, we have tremendous partnerships with many other nonprofits, and it was through a lot of those partnerships in my previous position at my previous organization that I learned of this role and been there ever since. So, yeah. How about you, Lily? My career is not as lengthy or, you know, <laughs> like broad as Sherry's is, but, yeah, I've been in the nonprofit industry like five or six years now. Um, and so I've worked for, like, six or seven nonprofits ranging from, like, all the way up by the Boundary Waters um, to the Twin Cities area and then over in Wisconsin where I went to college and then worked afterwards for a while. But I was in environmental nonprofits up until FOCP. So I was like, really like, I'm going to go for prairies and water and that's <laughs> what I'm into. And then I was like, you know what, this seems like a really cool organization back in Minnesota, which is where I wanted to be. And so then I started getting into youth hunger stuff and it's Definitely, it's not, not like no cause is greater than any other, but it definitely like I'm like kind of a cryy person. And so there are times when like we're looking through student surveys and just the impact of the work hits and you're just like, wow, I feel just incredibly fulfilled by mm -hmm. what we're doing because it makes a, like a huge impact. Um, it's fun to see like the kids have we send them surveys at the end of each year just to kind of figure out like what foods they don't like and like our programs working and they like do drawings on some of those sometimes to express how they feel if they're not as good at writing yet, just if they're younger. And those pictures are always so cute. I like, I almost like the ones where they complain more when they're like, the backpack is so heavy. There's too much food. And you're like, oh. <laughs> um, or I wish there was dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, like some of the things, like they just say it so much better than 
I ever could as a marketer. Like they'll say like, oh, you know, how does the program make you feel? And then they say like, not hungry, happy. And it's just like, you know, it just like makes such an immediate, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have put it that way, but that it relates to your emotional well-being as well. But yeah. Yeah. It's very easy to see the impact of this work. Um, and the fact that it's local and serving local children really keeps people, I think, coming back. Um, we have many volunteers that give on a weekly and or monthly basis, and we know that time is precious, so it um, means a great deal to us. In the in the beginning of the interview, we touched briefly on like the the why. Um, I mean, and food insecurity is an obvious why. But um, is there a kind of more of like a, a long answer about like? the state of food insecurity in this area and like where we're at here and, um, you know, not just what people can do um, through this organization, but through others um, mm -hmm. to at least uh, help or maybe even just uh, understand and see the problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If I were to offer a resource, Feeding America um, has wonderful resources for how you can get involved in um, work like this. And they also have some really great data on their website about um, the shift um, due to the pandemic in food insecurity and the rise really for children and families. Um, currently, we know that there are roughly one in eight students or youth that are, are battling food insecurity in the state of Minnesota. Um, and we could guess that that would ebb and flow depending on, you know, any given month, truthfully. Um, and that's what's interesting, too, even from our perspective, from boots on the ground, we have an open enrollment policy. And so our enrollment will ebb and flow, too, as the school year goes on, typically climbing. Um, and we didn't mention this, but we are serving just under 900 students currently within the five local school districts that we serve. And so um, that's not a small, yeah, it's not a small thing, but um, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, I would just say like there's a ton of data too that goes out about how important it is to have sort of that well-balanced or access to nutrition at a young age. You know, it can inform how you, your relationship with food for the rest of your life, um, like how you interact with it as a kid and what access you have as a kid. Um, so our goal is to really make sure that they have that, that they can sort of set up good food sort of goals as they get on later in life and like our high school program, which is very exciting. It's like brand new. So we like to talk about it a lot, but it's actually operating as like a food pantry or grab and go bags, depending on the school you're in. But it allows them to start making decisions about what they would like to eat. And, you know, like making meal decisions and figuring out how to put meals together and like thinking more for themselves than be just like getting food to eat, you know? So. And in regards to getting involved, um, we've mentioned, I mean, we work with hundreds of upwards of thousands of volunteers a year. And um, we were always welcoming anyone that's interested anywhere from volunteer shifts to makeshift internships to traditional internships, um, anything from packing food to delivering, working at our events. Um, and there's information for how to get involved on our website. Um, but there's also local efforts that we partner with and, and that support families in other ways that, are, you know, that are facing food insecurity. Echo Food Shelf does a lot locally, and I know they're always looking for volunteers. Um, there's also a newer initiative called the Southern South Central Minnesota Food Recovery Project. Um, and they're looking for volunteers on a weekly basis, preparing recovered food to then be distributed to families as well. So lots of opportunity. Uh, Lily, you mentioned nutrition, um, mm -hmm. and I, I, I heard your voice tick up when you said it. And I thought, uh, what, what type of foods are, are you offering? And is there any educational aspect to like, um, I, I guess I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, uh, is, is there some kind of, 
Do you, do you understand where yeah, I'm going? Yeah, I kind of get. That's, I kind of get where you're going. Just, just give us the nutritional we'll see bit. You. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on for our backpack and power pack programs, students actually receive like on a weekly basis, like during the school year, they receive a bag of food. They're called like our 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 food packs, um, and those actually have menus in them. That's like okay, well, this is your breakfast. This is what you're getting for lunch. You know, kind of like breaking out like. This is when not to be like, you don't have to eat the foods in that order, but this is what we've kind of put together as a menu for you. And it includes like different vegetables and fruits and, you know, like just sort of like a well-balanced diet for that. And we're continually trying to like add different and new food items into there. So seeing what kind of like, could we add some kind of dehydrated banana chip in there? Or can we do some kind of like fruit leather for that? Shelf-stable yogurt. Yeah. Shelf-stable yogurt is what Surprisingly delicious. Yeah. I was actually like, yeah, I don't know if I'd like room temperature yogurt, but it's actually pretty good. (laughs) Uh, So then we can have a dairy in there that they can actually have access to. So we're continually trying to update the nutrition on that, but trying to get them like vegetables, fruits, just hitting all the different food groups within there, you know, like, yeah, there's a certain amount of carbs that you need and Mm -hmm. dairy products and stuff. Um, so that's with our like younger kids. And then in addition to the menus that kind of showcase, like, this is how you build your meal. We try to put like a monthly educational piece in there. They're called our backpack bites. Um, but it can just include like fun little activities for them to do. There's sometimes, well, I don't know if you think crosswords are fun. Sometimes there's a crossword or a word (laughs) search or just like coloring pages, but they'll usually have some kind of like food nutrition thing along with those as well. Um, and then the high school students, we're working right now on stocking the food pantries with a ton of different options to help them make those decisions, but they're really working pretty closely with their guidance counselors to get access to those so they can kind of impart some of that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then just piggybacking on that and speaking to nutrition, um, just given the extensive process that it takes for us to serve those 900 students on a weekly basis, we provide far majority our shelf-stable food items, um, but we also understand that fresh access to fresh produce is something we want kiddos to have. And so over the last couple of years, we've developed relationships with the local quick trip stores who have become mini grocery marts in, you know, different areas of town, um, along with some of the smaller marts in our outlying communities, like um, the Maple River community, Dietz Foods, and um, Nicollet Mart and Nicollet. And we just provide vouchers once a month for students to access a half gallon of milk and then up to a certain dollar amount of fresh produce of their choice. So fruit, vegetables, whatever. Um, and 40% of our families utilize those on a regular basis. So the more we can, and, and you know, just empower them with what they need to, to access those items. Yeah. It just fills our mission. It helps us get around those limitations too. Cause mm-hmm. you, I mean, you've been in our warehouse, there's not like a secret hidden cooler back there or anything. So there was. yeah, and maybe <laughs> <laughs> if anyone feels like donating enough for that, <laughs> um, but we need to have shelf stable stuff so we can so- store it longer. But this is a way that we can kind of get around that by getting them fresh food, by mm-hmm. having them go and turn in those vouchers. Mm-hmm. Um, I did forget the part too. We have around like six to 700 specialty menus too. Mm-hmm. So if any student has a dietary restriction, whether that be like an allergy, just a regular dietary restriction or like a culturally appropriate diet, um, or culturally specific diet, we honor all of those. So we'll actually go through. And so someone reaches out to us and says like, Oh, like I don't eat pork and I'm allergic to milk. We'll develop a menu that actually, 
the food items that have that will replace those with food items that you can eat that are within that dietary restriction. So it's not just about like, we don't want to give people food A, that they can't even eat, mm -hmm. but then we don't want to just take it out and have them missing that. We want to replace it with something just as nutritional for them to have access to that fits within that diet. So we have a ton of, we call them our specials. So we have a ton mm -hmm. of specials that we do every single week. Mm -hmm. um, Upwards of a hundred students on average each week. It's a lot. Kind of fun when we get one that we haven't had before because then we're like, ooh, this is like a new puzzle to solve. Fun for you, maybe not yeah. for the programming team, but <laughs> <laughs> the layers of volunteers are just so, or of um, allergies are just so interesting. You yeah, know? it's like many, many layers sometimes. But mm -hmm. yeah, uh, if there was a, a, are there any upcoming problems or challenges that your organization is trying to solve? Kind of looking forward. Yeah, good timing on that question, Willis. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been. Um, planning for our summer programming for several months now. Um, and there was a, a longstanding, um, heavily relied upon mobile meal service that has no longer been um, offered over the last, this will probably be our third year. Mm -hmm. um, and so learning of that three years ago, we rallied our greater Mankato area hunger assistance network and said, hey, is there something we can do here? Can we collectively come together and, and try to fill this weekday meal gap? Um, and so we're doing that again. Um, we're working with, we're, we're still seeking volunteers. Um, we're looking for some additional donations um, to help support a weekday meal um, that is brought directly to some selected area food deserts. So an example that I could use is like the Lime Valley area. Um, we would have um, a, a volunteer in a car drive with a cooler of lunches out to that area um, Monday through Friday, offer it to any youth that are in need of a, a lunch and they can access it there. Um, we have four locations identified, and we're just working really diligently to make that service available. So a lot going on. Yeah. Seems like a great problem to solve. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the and it's it's not currently um, it's not currently something that you're offering, but it's something that you're close to having figured yeah. out maybe. Well, this is us. We made the commitment. Yeah. <laughs> so we will yeah. make it happen. Hey, yeah. It's great <laughs> to hear you hear heard yes. it here first. Yes, yeah. there you go. It will come to fruition. Uh, yeah. Well it was um, like the organization who had previously offered that when the pandemic hit was like, Okay, well we're allocating our resources towards like this other initiative that we have. Mm. And we were like, okay, well, we'll step up and do that. So we started it in 2020 and it had an unfortunate name the first year, but we have since renamed it. It's called Stomp now. We did it in 2021 and 2022. Well, the, yeah, this yeah, year, it yeah. hasn't happened yet. Mm. Um, but it'll be super cool. It's like getting out directly to those food deserts so the kids can't either, you know, like get to the school or they can't get to like a grocery mart or a quick trip or anything where they could easily have access to food. Or they can't do it in a safe way. Like there might be a highway in the way or it might just mm -hmm. be like distance wise way too far away for them to get there. So we're offering, you know, like that weekday lunch option. And so theoretically, a student could go get the weekday lunches and then also access our weekend summer pack program. So that student could get seven days of food. I've always just thought that the, the way that the access to food in public in Mankato was weird. Is mm -hmm. this... Is it abnormal? Like, I feel like I, I live up by campus, mm -hmm. um, and I feel like there isn't food around here. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and I don't know if that, I mean, there is, like, you can go out to eat, like, in the campus square or whatever, but I, I feel like all the grocery stores are in one spot, and I don't even know where mm -hmm. I would get food if I was in North Mankato, mm -hmm. except for a quick trip. Is is it unusual? I mean, is, I, I just don't know. I think it's the challenge of a rural community. I mean, we are fairly rural, right? And we're very spread out here in Mankato. Um, what would you, there's maybe three, four different areas of town, right? Um, and one of the, the,
the greatest challenges is just access to even transportation too to get to those areas. So I would agree. I think especially within walking distance, um, there's some disparities there. Um, I guess I don't know how to answer that outside of that, but that is one of the reasons that we've extended our efforts beyond just our weekend meals is that we understand that, um, you know, especially, I mean, we serve kiddos as, as young as a kindergartner. Now, do we, do we think that they can really walk three miles if there was access to food and remember to do that and do so safely? Um, I don't know, maybe a very, very skilled, talented, competent kindergartner, <laughs> but we're just trying to break down as many barriers to access as possible. And of course, we're limited by resources and volunteers and people power, but um, this community is pretty great at stepping up, as I mentioned, to make things happen. So um, the more we can be a part of that and just extend those efforts, the, the better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you shared that. I think uh, hearing um, food desert and then like knowing there's grocery stores nearby it might be mm -hmm. something people don't really mm -hmm. put together or recognize that yeah. there are those challenges if, mm -hmm. if you can't get transportation or you're, mm -hmm. you're too young to be able to do that sort of thing. I remember even when I moved here um, just over 20 years ago, I mean, I was in early 20s, had car issues. Um, I walked um, was newer to the community, had no idea what a challenge that was going to be, but you're walking over the bridge sometimes. I mean, I was putting on miles, um, I mean, just to get basic weekly things done, you know? So, I mean, it is mm -hmm. a challenge for many people. Well, and it's hard it. too, to be like, we are like an agriculture, the Mankato community is like an agricultural powerhouse. And yet there are people in our community that are going hungry. We're producing all this food, but yet there's still like a poverty issue and there's limited access to food and food deserts and stuff. And so we're trying to mitigate those issues and get people fed. So I, uh, I'm from Madison Lake hmm. and uh, my mom doesn't has never had a license. And I remember just how stoked we were when we moved to Mankato because there was a Cub Foods like three blocks from our house. And before, mm -hmm. if we wanted food and we couldn't get a ride to Mankato, we had to eat from uh, like the gas station right. or, or like a bar food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I've directly experienced that. It's, it's crazy mm -hmm. how much having a uh, grocery store close by changes a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I don't have any more specific questions about that, but I would, I would like to know if um, either of you have like just any like good stories or anecdotes from like your work and your time there that you would just like to share in general with how it's impacted you or just something you've seen or um, done through the work? Mm -hmm. Oh, we have, at, we call them mission moments mm -hmm. and we share them often. Um, so we're going to have to cherry pick here. Yeah, but it's like when we have hard days and you know, you're like, when you get, you know, just at any job when there's like a difficult day, we rem like bring those up to like remind us why we're doing it. But mm -hmm. I like your story from, so we, whenever there's like a winter storm and school has to shut down, if it's on like a Monday through Wednesday, we're fine. <laughs> but if it's Thursday or Friday, that's when we're getting the food into the backpack. So if they're not in school, then they don't get the food. Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, it was we like had a few of those. It was like of the three snow days this year, two of them fell on Fridays, and we were like the kids were excited, but we were like, oh no. Um, so then we have to like quick rally volunteers in the middle of like a snowstorm or like a winter event to go and deliver food to their houses. And mm -hmm. I just think those are incredibly I impactful. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Actually, one of them was close to the Cherry Creek apartments. I'm going to point in this direction. Um, but we, um, so we choose to do this, I should say. Our team agrees to do this. But we will most often as a team and with some of our core board members or volunteers just hit the streets when we probably shouldn't be on, you know, scary roads. But we want to make sure that those kiddos that rely on food get what they need for the weekend. Um, and so we reached out to families actually 
um, Lily takes the first charge and sends a mass text to all families and say, hey, um, if you're truly really in need, let us know. We'll make it happen. We'll figure it out. Um, And so we get that list and we divvy it up and we hit the streets. Well, I had um, reached out to um, connected with one mother um, and she was on my route, but I had four stops before her. And if you've ever been up to those, I think they're Cherry Creek apartments. I mean, they are difficult as heck to get into and your navigation takes you to the wrong entrance. And like, I should know better, but <laughs> this, the story is anyway, I, it took me longer to get to her than I had anticipated. And I hadn't thought about what that would look like, but I pull up to the the front entrance there and I'm probably 45 minutes later than I thought I would be on my route just due to the conditions of the roads. And I hop out and there's this woman standing there at the entrance. And I, I recognized that that might be her. And I asked if it was. And she had been waiting there for over an hour. And she was not upset. The first thing I, I pull up and I said, I'm so sorry. You know, I had troubles. The roads were bad. And she was so appreciative. And she said, no, hands down. This is fine. I'd rather wait here. I just wanted to make sure that my child had this food because wake up tomorrow morning, Saturday morning, it's the first thing that they look for. And I was like, well, that was worth the drive. <laughs> To say the least. Um, but I we hear that, stories like that all the time. Was that, yeah. that was the same parent who like I text everybody and I'm like, if you can pick up, that'd be great. Oh, Otherwise, yes. we'll deliver to you. And that that same parent like had texted us back and was like, oh, well, I'll just I'll walk and pick it up. Like, where's your address located? And I told them that and they were like, OK, well, I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll make it like I'll walk there. I'll do what it takes to get there even in a snowstorm because they didn't have transportation. And I was like, you know what? Like, if they're going to walk here, I'll just look it up. So I looked up where they were at and noticed they were all the way over here, which is like a 10 mile walk. And Mm -hmm. I'm like that, that parent, it was just so impactful to be like, you know, just how much care they were like willing to walk like 10 miles to get food for their kid because it's that important to like the work. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just, yeah, I'm like, I always get like, like it's like that SNL skip where she's like, I'm getting a little clamped, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> so. Well, and I think our, our favorite interactions are those directly with you sometimes when we're dropping food off because we just kind of knock, drop and go or, you know, we're backpack food program. And there's a kid that like cheers like, yay, my food or the oh, little yeah. <laughs> I, I, child that you just yeah. encountered. Yeah. So I live in Eagle Lake. So it's a, it's a bit out there. So usually when there's like a snow emergency, they're like, Lily gets all the Eagle Lake kids because I'm already, I have to go home at some point, you know? Um, and I went and delivered to this kid's house and he came to the door and he was just so polite. I was like, wow, this is, he like opened the door first off, like all spiffy and was like, oh, thank you very much. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And he's like, have a nice day, ma'am. And I was like, oh, ma'am. Okay. You know, using, you know, just the formal title. I'd appreciate like a miss or something, you know? So. <laughs> Was it, was it one of your first ma'ams? <laughs> it was, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm only like 24. I'm sorry to say it's not your last <laughs> I mean, to, yeah, to kids, they're probably like, oh my gosh, she's ancient. And I'm like, I'm in my 20s, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The survey data is always fun too to get. I always, I know I, I said it before, but I always like when they have like complaints or something, because I'm always like, it's very like, it's very much like a kid to be like, I don't like the piece, you know, like, <laughs> then, no, thanks. Um, or that, you know, they're just very cute, the things that they say. And a lot of times the parent, the parent one, like the kids ones are always really cute. And you're like, oh, cute. The parent ones are the ones that make me cry because they're usually, you know, they talk about how helpful this is for them and how helpful it is for their family and how it eases the stress for them. So they're able to do other things. I think um, one of our team members always shares that there was a family who, 
like a mom who reached out to us afterwards and was like, because this program freed me up and made me feel secure about having food, I was able to do like some night classes and I'm actually able to be off the program now because I like got my GED and I now have a better paying job. So while we might not be like directly related to that, we're freeing people up so they have more availability to do other things, you know? It's not something you think about right away, like, oh, you feed someone and then that enables all these other things. But Mm-hmm. The success Absolutely. story is always awesome. Shows Absolutely. the importance of having your basic needs sort of covered. and mm-hmm. That's that's really important. So um, if someone wants to help out and get involved either as a volunteer or support, uh, yeah, where do, how, why don't we close there even? Uh, how do they uh, find out more and, and uh, offer to help <laughs> you, out? You do it so well, Lily. <laughs> you can go to our web. Yeah, so if yes. you want to yeah. donate, if you want to volunteer, if you want to just have a conversation with us, you know, um, you can go to our website, which is also feeding and fueling all spelled out dot org, um, which I just updated the website. So also let me know if you think it looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You can also find under events, the tab for bear brats and bourbon and Mm -hmm. all of the um, details regarding that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is excellent. Well, we're very excited to uh, be helping out with that event and uh, looking forward to it all. Awesome. And thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thank thanks you for, for joining. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Hey.